please stand for the call to worship if you are able. Lift praises to the name of our God. Bless God's name forever. Our praise is our God. From generation to generation, we will sing your praises and speak of your goodness. <laughs> praise is our God and worthy of praise. God, you are just and kind in all your doings. Praise is our God and worthy of praise. God, you watch over us in love and hear the desperate cries of those who call to you. Is our God. Bless his name forever. seated. 
Let me welcome you to worship here at Southside Baptist Church this morning. Those who are members and guests alike, we are glad that everyone has gathered here today to worship the one true and living God. Southside Baptist Church is a church in the heart of Five Points, building an inclusive community of grace, first in this community and then beyond. And a part of that means to welcome all who come in with uh, arms open wide and full of love and grace, even as our Lord would, has welcomed us into his kingdom. And so today, as we, we gather, we hope that those who have come in, members and guests, that you felt that warmth that is uh, a part of our fam family of faith here at Southside. It would ask for you, if you will, to sign the uh, registration booklet at the end of each pew. You'll see that there, and uh, you can fill that out at any point in time and put in the offering plate later. Uh, but also I want to take a moment and let you greet one another uh, by passing the peace of Christ. If you would do that now for just a moment, and as you do, I'll welcome those who are also worshiping uh, with us via the live stream. So you go and, and welcome each other today and greet them in the name of Christ. We do welcome those who are coming to us as a, from live stream and hope that you will uh, also have your spirit uplifted too. Thank you. make your way back to your places we will bow together in prayer offering this time of worship to the Lord but also asking the Lord to to bless it as well loving Lord we enter this place of worship today coming from a variety of places from different backgrounds from lives filled with all kinds of activities and concerns. We come asking, Lord, that as we move from that to our time of focusing on you and offering our worship to you, that you would quieten our spirits to hear you, but also that we might lift our voices too to praise you. And that as we all worship together, that we might entertain your presence in a profound way, corporately, we might all sense your presence and also respond to the word that is sung and spoken, the word as it is preached. For we offer all of this to you.
first scripture lesson today is found in the Psalter, Psalm 145. I'll be reading the first seven verses of this psalm. I will exalt you, my God, the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation will commend your works to another. They will tell of your mighty acts. They will speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty, and I will meditate on your wonderful works. They will tell of the power of your awesome works, and I will proclaim your great deeds. They will celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. Here ends our first lesson of Scripture. Gospel reading is from the Gospel according to Luke and chapter 9 and reading verses 43 to 48. In honor of the Gospel and the words of Jesus, if you're able, will you stand for the reading? While, everything, while everyone was amazed at all that Jesus was doing, he said to his disciples, let these words sink into your ears. The Son of Man is going to be betrayed into human hands. But they did not understand this saying. Its meaning was concealed from them, so that they could not perceive it. And they were afraid to ask him about this saying. An argument arose among them, to which one of them was the greatest. But Jesus, aware of their inner thoughts, took a little child and put it by his side and said to them, Whoever welcomes this child in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me, for the least among you is the greatest. This is the word of the Lord. seated. 
I guess no one here would know these two are brothers, would you? <laughs> because not only are they, do they look much alike, but they act like brothers, don't you, Martine and Jack? We missed you all last week. I wanted to talk to you just a second about this weekend and tomorrow, what tomorrow is. And Okay, well, it's Veterans Day, which might mean some of you might be out of school. I don't know if you are or not, but I wanted to find out what you know about it, what you actually think about it on today. What is it that we celebrate on that day? Come here, Martine. Come right here. Come sit right here for me. So I, can, I can't see. You, okay. Your granddad. Why is that? Because he was in the Navy. That's right. Okay. Who else do we think about? That's, that's right. He was in the Navy. Anything, any thoughts you have? Martine? Any thoughts? Well, I know you have thoughts, but about Veterans Day? What's Veterans Day? Well, I bet after this, I think when, when you leave today and you start home with your granddad, he's going to talk to you about it. He's going to let you, he's going to tell you about Veterans Day. Okay. Veterans Day, of course, is when we recognize those who have been in service of our country. And there are people that serve in all branches of service, and there are people who have ensured that we have the freedoms that we have. You know, everywhere in the world, you can't go and do the things you can do. You can't, some places you can't assemble like we are here for worship. Uh, some places, Martin, you couldn't pull your sock off in worship. <laughs> in other places, <laughs> In other places, you couldn't, you wouldn't have um, opportunities to go and whatever it is that you do with your life, go to school the places you go, or if you decide to go on to college after you finish high school, some places you, you don't get to do that unless someone says that you can. So we have freedom. Hmm? Some places you can pull ice cream in your back pocket on Sunday. Well, it probably is. I think that's in Alabama, is it not? I think that's an Alabama state law in the old constitution. Maybe it's been changed since then. But also, you girls might not even have opportunity to do a lot of the things that you do in various places around the world. So we have a lot of freedoms that our folks that have been in service have helped provide for us and that we cherish. And so we want to honor them, and we do that with a special day called Veterans Day. And today, I want you to help me by welcoming or to recognizing all of those who have been in service or who are in service of some kind. So we're going to ask everyone here who has been in the service, any branch, to stand and to be counted here among our worshipers today. So would you all please stand? We want to thank you. Thank you all. Thank you all for for your service, but thank you all for being here. And the uh, there are those who are not here today who also served and have also helped provide for the opportunities that we have, uh, the freedoms that we enjoy. And we should never forget that, and to give to thank them for those uh, for the service that they provided. Uh, Jerry, you didn't stand up. Did you stand up? Did Jerry stand up? He's also a veteran. But he, and so some others may not have, have uh, stood at this time, but I know that many of you are veterans and you uh, have, have given a portion of your life in, in our service to our country and to all of us who are citizens here. So today, and to their families. And we have one here that uh, 
not a veteran, she reminded me, Karen Long, who's a chaplain at, at, uh, down at the VA hospital, and she reminded me that it's not only the uh, thanks that we give to the, those who are veterans, but also to their families because the families sacrificed a great deal too with their being away and, and being uh, unable to be present with them during those times. So we do thank you all. Let's uh, offer prayer and give thanks for the freedoms we have, but also for those who have provided for all the freedoms we have by the service that they've given, okay? All right. Lord, we do thank you that um, you have given us the ability to do the things that, that we are able to accomplish in your name. We thank you that you have given some people the, um, the courage, the commitment, the opportunities to be the people you've called them to be through their service to our country. And we thank you that in so doing that they also have served as citizens, but also knowing that that came at a great sacrifice for them and their families. We thank them and we ask that you would bless them as we all seek to follow our calling and doing the work you've called us to do. In your name I pray. join me in prayer this morning. Let us pray. Gracious God, in a, a day and a week when we remember those who have served their country in various ways, at different times, in several conflicts, to preserve and maintain peace and security in our world, we are grateful for what all that has been done for us. We especially remember all who gave their lives that there might be a better world, a safer world. And we remember all those who still feel the pain of that loss. They shall not grow old as we who are left grow old. Age shall not weary them, nor the years condemn. At the going down of the sun and in the morning, we shall remember them. God of peace. We pray for those who have fought, whose spirits and bodies are scarred by war, whose nights are haunted by memories too painful for the light of day. We pray for those who serve us now, especially for those who find themselves in harm's way. Shield them from danger and bring them back home to their families and loved ones. God of peace, turn the hearts and the minds of our leaders and those of all countries in our world to works of justice and a harvest of peace. Let the peace that your son, the Lord Jesus, left with us, the peace you gave us that passeth all understanding, be the peace and shalom that sustains us, the peace that saves us and keeps us secure in the knowledge of your love that never lets us go. God of peace, inspire us in small and big ways to banish hatred and oppression wherever we find it in our own context. We pray that you would help us to see the day coming when the weapons of war will be translated as your scripture reminds us into the weapons of harvest. 
help us all to make the world in which we live a sanctuary of goodness and of blessing, compassion and of mercy. Lord, we bring before you this morning those who need our prayers at this time for whom we are particularly concerned. We pray for those who mourn, for those who are suffering, for those who are worried. Lord, in your presence, we name those who are close to our hearts. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers, all of which we offer in the name of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray with confidence and to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
to show to you that I am great, I will knock him down and eat. So spoke Cassius Clay, Muhammad Ali, prior to, I think, his first fight, heavyweight title fight of the world with Sonny Liston. The match lasted seven rounds. The second return fight was eagerly anticipated, and I managed to persuade my father that he would wake me up at the appropriate time in the middle of the night to watch the fight. It only lasted for one round. You may know that his saying that was renowned was, I am the greatest. I am the greatest. In Luke's gospel, Jesus has once again announced his death. The disciples' reaction by this point is unsurprising. They've got no idea what he's talking about. Instead, they apparently get into a debate with one another as to which one of them is going to be the greatest. Perhaps they didn't want Jesus and what he was saying to be true. Perhaps they didn't want the abolition of society as they began to enjoy it. They wanted a better position. Uh, they want to be benefactors rather than have their backs or people on their backs and get no benefit out of following Jesus. Luke tells us, however, that they're afraid to ask him a question. It's a bit like students, I find, who are fearful about asking a question, I think because they don't want the question to reveal the little that they actually know about a subject. I try to encourage students that there is no, no such thing as a bad question because other people want to ask it as well. Well, the, student, the, the people here don't really want to ask a question of Jesus, but it doesn't stop them from arguing amongst themselves. So they change the subject from the death of Jesus to talk of greatness. And they begin to dig a hole for themselves. And Jesus suddenly turns to them and says, who is the greatest among you? In a hierarchical society, such as the first century in which Jesus and his disciples were, were living, um, many were relegated to the bottom and only a few were at the top. And so a desire for greatness, for progression, for being part of an upward mobile society was totally understandable. In many ways, in the first century, greatness equaled survival. Greatness was being equal with others and not having others oppress you. Greatness equaled protection. Greatness meant your life mattered and so you cannot so easily be, re be removed. In the ancient Mediterranean society, greatness could be attained through the acquisition of honor. Honor rested upon wealth, and wealth was, was usually connected to the acquisition of property. And so you wanted to get somewhere, but you wanted to maintain where you had got. Jesus was a popular rabbi. People were looking up to him. Just prior to what we read in Luke's gospel, we read, and all were astonished at the greatness of God. So the greatness of God is being spoken about, the greatness through the miracles of Jesus, the teaching of Jesus. But now Jesus is asking the question, who among you is the greatest? You want to be great? Do you want to be God? Or do you want to be like me? The one who came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Ears that should have been open to hearing what Jesus said about service compassion, the needs of others, and self-denial have been closed. The irony is tragic. Jesus is talking about his death, 
and the disciples are arguing about the pecking order in the band of disciples. Ramsay McMullen, in his book, Roman Social Relations, describes a sense of class in the ancient world in which Jesus was living, although recognizable to us today, uh, the scale on which having a hard time was very real. The ancient world had no middle class, no middle class. They had upper class, but the vast majority of people were amongst the poor. They didn't have anything. The bulk of people had nothing. Within the elite world, honor was incredibly important. He says this, the upper classes emphasize for everyone to notice and acknowledge the steep, steep social structure that they had attained. They wanted to associate only with people of their own situation. They would intentionally insult those who were below them and hope to accumulate favor with those who were just a little bit above them. It's against that backdrop that Jesus is giving this teaching and that the saying of Jesus stands out. Saying that the way to gain honor is to receive those who are without honor is an oxymoron as far as the disciples are concerned. The kingdom of God assesses and assigns value different, however, to the human realm. God will receive those who receive a child. This will give access to true authority the power of the one who sent Jesus. While our modern society is very different, we have all levels of status and standing within society that are similar similarities. We seek status through what we possess, cars, clothes, houses, titles, electronics. When the Apple Watch came out and was revealed, it was revealed that it came in aluminium, stainless steel and gold versions. I noticed recently there are even more versions that you could get of the Apple Watch. One of my colleagues had a student who was using the Apple Watch to cheat within a class examination. I don't know whether it was aluminum or gold, but she tested out. The disciples do not question this system of knowing your place. They think that Jesus will place them in the upper echelons of the coming kingdom of God. They do not deconstruct the values that keep over 90% of the population of their day and age as peasants. Instead, they argue about who among them might best participate in the system of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. Rise above the rest. Their conversation is the very antithesis of what Jesus has just been telling them. And so Jesus calls the 12 to him. He seeks to correct their clandestine conversation, which revealed both their fears and their misunderstandings. In one sentence, he completely reverses their concept of greatness. The least among you is the greatest. The least among you is the greatest. Greatness is no longer about being first and preeminent. Greatness is no longer climbing to the top and climbing over others. Greatness is about being amongst the least and the lowest. And so Jesus brings a child into the context and the conversation, places a child before them, puts before them a, a startling example of the least in their society. In the first century, children have the least social status. The child is devoid of any legal rights, no societal protection or maintenance except that which perhaps their parents can give to them. 
Ultimately, children are dependent in the first century world on the goodwill of others. She is completely vulnerable. To welcome such a one in Jesus' name is to welcome Jesus, however, says our Lord. To welcome one such as this is honorable. This is greatness to Jesus. One scholar describes the place of children in that society in this way. As helpless, dependent, non-productive burdens, children were at best second-class citizens in the eyes of both the classical Roman Gentile and ancient believing Jews. One day these children might grow up to be productive and protective of their parents, but until then they stood far down the social ladder, behind even women, the poor, the sick, and the lame. They were right at the bottom. I think this measure of discipleship, this teaching of Jesus, encourages us to ask a few questions of ourselves. How do we measure greatness, especially within the Christian community? Have we, like the disciples, adopted our society's standards of greatness? Who should greatness benefit? Who are the people we expect to be leaders in society and also in the life of the church? When greatness comes at the expense of others, it breaks the spirits of those on top as well as it breaking the spirits of those upon whom they are building their lives. Jesus then describes what the kingdom of God is like. He tells his disciples that contrary to their expectation, those who are most honored in the kingdom are the servants and those who are least. God breaks into the world in new ways. God turns the world upside down in terms of attitudes and actions, of aspirations, of goals and ambitions. Jesus ministers to ostracized demoniacs, as we saw a couple of Sundays ago. Those who are possessed, dead girls, women who are sick, on two occasions the hungry, as well as those with severe disability. But actions we take every day have ramifications on the least says Jesus, that we might never consider. Taking seriously the kingdom of God, the gospel tells us that we consider those with whom we socialize. Is it only those that we like or is it only those that we think can give us a step up in life? Those we greet in the mall, the folk we welcome or don't welcome into the sanctuary on a Sunday morning. It turns out that greatness actually is welcoming one who is viewed as not being great. The child, the one who is beyond the circle, the one who needs a welcome and protection. One thing I've discovered in having two daughters as they were growing up and now four, four grandchildren as they're growing up is that children want your time and attention more than anything else. That's how you honor them. You treat them as important, so important that other pressing issues take second place. You've had the experience, haven't you, of reading a bedtime story? Why do children pick the longest story? And then when one story is finished, they say, well, one more, please, just one more. And as the readers of the story, we try to do something devious. Maybe you've never done it. You grab the shortest story. You know, the book with the most pictures, the biggest type, and the fewest pages, and you run th read through it quickly, and then suddenly they realize what you're doing, and they say, you've missed a page, because they've had that story read to them so often, they know it off by heart. 
I love the way in which we incorporate children into the worship service of our church, not only with the children's sermon Sunday by Sunday, but also the way in which we invite them to take up the offertory. The great privilege, the great privilege of being at the front on a communion Sunday and a child comes to receive communion and to say to them, the love of Jesus for you and to see them taking that waiver and dipping it into the cup and receiving the love of God. That's greatness. The child is not the church of the future. The child is the church of the present. And that's important to remember. Frankly, it's odd that a child was even in the room with Jesus and his male disciples. No female disciples, so where did the child come from? The child's place was typically with the women and the slaves. But for whatever reason, the child was there. Maybe Jesus went out to seek out the child, bring him in. And the disciples were saying, what's the child doing here? And then Jesus takes the child and embraces the child. Perhaps the way his own mother would embrace the child. And as he did so, Jesus tried one more time to lay the foundation the absolute basis for discipleship. Listen to what he says. Whoever embraces one of these children in my name as I do, embraces me. And far more than me, embraces the God who sent me. So what is faith? Faith is embracing the least and the lowest. Faith in embracing the least and the lowest, that's how we embrace God. God and his son, Jesus Christ. Seems to me that if we want to embrace Jesus, to embrace God, then it is part of our discipleship to work out who the people in the margins are and bring them into the center, not just one time, but as a regular ongoing spiritual practice. Jesus' call, however, is not limited to children. That's the example he uses, stark example. Jesus wanted us to see that anyone who never stands on the stage of power is welcomed in his name, is, is embraced. Not brushed aside, seem to be disposable, but people whom we serve. The danger is that there are always people in our lives, in our communities, in our friendships, in our churches, whom we miss, whom we don't miss when they're not there. The one we tolerate but don't embrace. A drain on the budget we don't embrace. But Jesus is saying to us this morning, there is no such thing as an insignificant member of the family of God. Because all are created in his image. And none is insignificant. True greatness, Jesus says, is service. Like him, who came not to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is our God, the servant king, who calls us now to follow him. Will you pray with me? God of grace who embraces all. God of grace who forgives us all our mistakes. God of grace who grants us opportunities to serve you by serving others. Grant that we may hear your word and that we might obey. 
We ask it in our Savior's name. Amen. Our closing hymn, All the Way My Savior Leads Me, 633. pray. Dear God, on this Sunday, as we honor the men and women who have served in the armed forces, including those who have given their life or their health, let us also honor you by giving generously of our resources to our church and our people. Thank you for our beautiful church and talented staff. Help us to recognize our need to give our time and resources to support this gift. Amen.
Loving Lord, we present these tithes and offerings to you. We pray, Lord, that you would receive them and that you would bless them and we might use them according to your will. We ask all these things in our son's name. Amen. Would you be seated for just a moment, please? Just a couple of announcements remind you that uh, of the events of the week. You'll see those printed. Uh, of course, we do want to remember tomorrow is Veterans Day, and, and I know that there will be many celebrations and recognitions of uh, veterans um, throughout the um, at least our nation, and as we know that there are many in other places, we do Remembrance Days as well. But uh, be mindful of that and, and speak those words of, of thanks to those that you encounter. We also know that as we go, we go out to be of service as we've been um, challenged today to go forward in Christ's name and to be the one who's, who brings service unto uh, the world that God has placed us in. And so may we hear our benediction and go forth in his name. As we go forward to serve the least and the lowest, may the grace and the mercy of God be with us always. Amen. <laughs>